In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Hey there, missionaries. It's Len, a.k.a. the Bat Triple, welcoming you to another edition of Previously on the Michaud Mission. This week is our second week uh, away from you as Vincent is spending time with family, uh, dealing with the loss of his mother a couple of weeks ago. But we will be returning to live shows next week. And to give you a little bit extra As you deal with life without the men of Michaud, we're giving you another double feature. It is Halloween, so we are dipping into our catalog of past Halloween shows. And we found that we reviewed Blade and Blade 2. So we are going to bring you just the reviews on this edition of Previously on the Michaud mission. And then, of course, next week, Vincent will be back and will finish off the trilogy with Blade Trinity as we close out Halloween 2022 on the next live edition of the Michaud mission streaming next Tuesday, October 25th and available as always as a podcast for your download pleasure the next morning. And there'll be a whole nother edition of previously. So next week you'll get two shows. Ain't that cool? All right, enjoy the show. You better wake up. The world you live in is just a sugar-coated topic. There is another world beneath it. The real world. For thousands of years, they have existed among us. You keep your eyes open. They're everywhere. Chances are you've seen them yourself and didn't know it. A secret nation. Our livelihood depends on our ability to blend in with a lust for power. We should be ruling the humans. These people are our food. They've got their claws into everything. Politics, finance, real estate. There's a war going on out there. He makes the weapons. I use them. Now, one will lead them to conquer mankind. Tonight, the age of man comes to an end. We're going to be gods. And one will try to stop him dead. There are worse things out tonight than vampires. Like what? Like me. Half human. Blade's mother was attacked by a vampire while she was pregnant. Half immortal. You got the best of both worlds. All our strengths 
None of our weaknesses. He is their greatest fear and our only hope. This open season of all vampires. Snipes, Stephen Dorff. You're one of them, aren't you? No, I'm something else. Blade. Blade, 1998 American vampire superhero film. Directed by Stephen Norrington, written by David S. Goyer, loosely based on the Marvel Comics character of the same name. The film stars Wesley Snipes in the title role with Stephen Dorff, Chris Christopherson, and Mbushi Wright in supporting roles. The film, in the film, Blade is a vampire with human traits who protects humans from vampires, including his arch nemesis deacon frost this 1998 film which features a cameo by sanaa lathan and also stars of gotham fame donald logue is the film selection of vince it is on this trek on the Michelle mission on this stop on the Michelle mission so what say thee of Blade what say me of Blade so many ways to start talking about Blade mm-hmm. uh, I th- but I think the best way to start and to go ahead and, and acknowledge it because I don't think it's as acknowledged as it should be Blade is before everything yep Blade is before the Matrix is it matrix is 99 okay blade is before um underworld mm-hmm. and in any of these sort of leather leather vampires yep blade is before x-men yes and most importantly well maybe not most importantly blade is before iron man yes blade really is the beginning of a new wave of action movie, adventure movie, fantasy movie, if you will. Like it really is, you, you know, I always call them the, the leather movies <laughs> where where the protagonists wear leather because even if you look at something like the Batman films, mm-hmm. they aren't leather. It's more of a body armor. Yes, especially Michael Keaton. Right, the Keaton, right. Uh, Blade is the beginning of that. So, you know, always like to get that down and I'll come back to why I think that's important in a moment which surprisingly also goes back to the Saturday morning cartoon conversation oh I'm looking forward to this I think Blade is one of the first films that we've watched where I kind of grappled with what does perfect mean Mm. like does perfect mean without imperfection or does perfect mean, you know, this is this sort of film that aimed for these heights? Exactly. Succeeds in what it's, it's of going sort of for. aesthetic, you, you know, totality, if mm-hmm. you will. Mm-hmm. Because if it's the first definition, mm-hmm. I cannot find fault with this film. Mm. I can't find something that I kind of look at it and say, oh, if they would have done this 
it would have made it better. Mm. For years, I didn't like Stephen Dorff's Deacon Frost. Okay. But today, it really clicked. He's the douchey guy at the club. Right. Like, that's who he's supposed to be. And he embodies it fully. Mm-hmm. Chris Christophers. Chris Christofferson mm-hmm. as Whistler, as the corner sort of grizzled mentor father figure, is fantastic. Yeah. He's excellent. And Boucher Wright does not have a lot to do, but what she has to do, I think she does it well. You believe that she's an ordinary woman mm-hmm. that has been thrown into this world. Mm-hmm. You can believe that she was a, a, a doctor, a physician. Mm-hmm. I think they give her just enough backstory to kind of develop her enough when she's thrown into this that you kind of think that she was a person. Got to talk about Sanai Lathan. Like you call it a cameo, and I guess technically it's a cameo, mm-hmm. but it's so good. Mm. This is actually my second favorite Sanai Lathan performance. Really? It is after, obviously, loving basketball. Mm. Love Sanai Lathan in this. And I'm not a huge Sanai Lathan fan. Mm -hmm. I think the storyline is straightforward and and is just this wonderful encapsulated narrative with a beginning, a middle, and an end. I think the set design, I think the costuming, this is a fully realized world that Blade inhabits. Yeah. And then all of this is is sort of, you know, anchored by Wesley Snipes, which this is our, I believe, third Wesley Snipes film, if we include Mo' Better Blues. Okay. We talked about it with... Um, New Jack, New Jack City. City. How Wesley Snipes has these moments in his in his career where he really, you, you know, again going back to that word we were using during the mail, he has these iconic roles, right? And Wesley Snipes is absolutely perfect as Blade. I think he has the physicality. I think he has the martial arts prowess. How about this? This this film has better martial arts than Black Belt Jones. Black Belt Jones. And the Last Dragon. <laughs> yes, I think Wesley Snipes has the the acting ability that there are you know one or two not a lot you know there are one or two scenes where he is called upon to act mm-hmm. and he nails the scenes. Yeah, and then I always forget Wesley Snipes is hilarious. <laughs> He's got humor that he does so well. And finally, to go back to what I said about the Saturday morning cartoons, talk a lot about the genre films. You know, we, we, we talk about Star Trek. We, we've talked about this before with, you know, the Batman, the Superman films. And something that I always go back to is that once you get a certain property that is generating a certain amount of money. Mm hmm people can only do so much with it artistically because of, of the lunchboxes. Exactly. You know, I always right. say you're not going to mess up the lunchbox money. Blade is the perfect example of what happens when no one is worried about lunchboxes. Right. Like, this is a film that, and and we, we actually, you know, back to our Facebook group, my, my very good friend Les Dixon was posting his experience with Blade. He worked for, for TVT Records. 
mm. at the time, and they he actually did the uh, soundtrack. They, he did the soundtrack, so I remember in because you know he's you know black nerd blurred like me, so I remember at the time talking about Blade coming out, and you know the story that I've always heard from him and from other sources is is Wesley Snipes, like you know all black nerds who got famous wanted to make a Black Panther film, and Marvel said you know well you know I don't know if we're going to do that, but you can do this with Blade, and those of you that don't know Blade was a very obscure character in Marvel. He was a black vampire hunter in Dracula. There was a long-running Dracula comic series. Right. So it really is this sort of throwaway character. And he wasn't even he and it wasn't he wasn't like a daywalker. He wasn't a daywalker. He was really just a vampire hunter. He was shaft hunting vampires. And right. if you look at his early appearances, it is it's it's nothing there. Right. And, you know, sidebar, I remember when this was going on and he told me that Wesley Snipes wanted to make a Black Panther film and this is like 96, 97. I thought that was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever heard in my entire life. That really? somebody thought that there could be a Black Panther film. Like, who in the world is going to make a Black Panther movie? You, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Next, you'll tell me that you might as well make a Luke Cage television show. And, you know, <laughs> maybe one day we'll have a black president, too. It is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So, I remember this was sort of developing. Oh, it's going to be a Blade movie and this, that, and the other. And David Goyer, who we haven't mentioned, mm -hmm. really, you know, who writes the script and, you know, in a lot of ways envisioned a lot of this world. You know, from what I understand, Wesley Snipes, whose company produced the film, had, a, had you know, some contributions as well. They take this throwaway character and create something almost brand new. Mm -hmm. And it's this perfect little film that you can tell they're not interested in. In setting up a franchise, like you know, the end is open ended, but he's gotten rid of the big bad. He's, you know, there is no returning villain that mm -hmm. they established. He kind of closes the loop on his character development. Like, if there was never another Blade film, <clears throat> this stands on its own. Yes. And I love that. And I loved it. And I love this movie. I like the movie a whole lot. Okay. I and I maybe I maybe stopped short of saying that I love it. And that's only because now I've watched it more with a critical eye. Okay. Um but I I agree with a lot of what you said. I think Wesley Snipes is pitch perfect with this film. And when this film, at least according to Wikipedia, if they're, if they're to be believed, was an original development back in 1992, um, the first person that showed interest in starring in this film was LL Cool J. I could not begin to imagine this with LL Cool J. Right. Um, but David Goyer said, no, I think Wesley Snipes will be the person for it. And and the rest is history. Wesley Snipes is pitch perfect for this film. He brings the the physicality. He brings the acting chops. He brings the humor. He brings the relatability. He you believe um, that he is the baddest mofo in the room when he is in the room. Um, he he he's just he's just letter perfect. Chris Christopherson, who up until that point I hadn't seen in like ever, right? When I saw him show up in this, I'm like, they dug up Chris Christopherson? <laughs> Are y'all serious? 
But he did. He did work. You know, mm-hmm. he was doing. He was doing his Chris Chris office. I was like, all right, I'm with you with Chris Chris office. Look at you doing your bad stuff. You know what I mean? All right, I'm cool with that. I was. I was. I was with it. Donald Logue, who is uh, um, at that point a rising character actor, funny, on point. You know, um, Stephen Dorff. A little Stephen Dorff goes a long way with me too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could. I could dig it. I I bought into the world that they created in this film. The world building is 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 pitch perfect. I mean, like, um, the sets that they built here in Fort in uh, Los Angeles are, you know, they're it's a lower budget film, but it's. I think, like you were saying, it's, this movie is a testament to what you can do when you don't care about the lunchboxes. Right. I think this is also a testament to what you can do when you don't have the budget and you have to improvise. Like, okay. like there's a whole scene, there's a whole car chase scene that is nothing but speeded up video. <laughs> Yet, it worked. Yeah. It yeah. worked. It fit in perfectly with this film. You know what I mean? Um, there are scenes where uh, Blade is driving like the the baddest car in America, but you don't necessarily know that it's the baddest car in America. But yet, it, when it pulls into the scene, there's wind machines blowing and it's blowing all this this paper and trash around it. Looks like a bad car to me. Right? You know what I mean? So it's it's they just made it work. Um, the fight choreography. There's nothing outstanding about it, except that where the, where Wesley Snipes, who is a uh, a martial artist, you know, can definitely pull off the moves. the 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 director Stephen Norrington smartly frames each move, each moment. To like, hey, we're not going to have the, the greatest choreography, but we can show Wesley off. Right. Wesley's body and his movements are shown off to like, like Wesley has never looked this just like great. I was like, that's a bad looking brother right there. Yeah. And one of my favorite scenes is one of the throwaway scenes in this movie. Um, first of all, you saying that this has better martial arts. Uh, action than the last dragon, <laughs> and the bar's not set too high with the last dragon. But it is a shame that it has better martial arts artistry than Black Belt Jones, because Jim Kelly was a martial artist was Omar, yeah, yeah. who needed a stunt man for his roundhouse kicks. All right, yes, let's keep it. Yeah. Wesley Snipes does a move here in this movie where near the end. Where he kicks the dude as he's coming running at him, keeps his leg straight, never drops it, and then kicks him again. Yes. And it's Wesley Snipes. Yeah. At which point, dude drops to his knees, and Wesley Snipes just casually walks by the dude and just pushes him by the head. I have replayed that move that move, <laughs> move so many times in the past 
I was it did my heart such glee to see that somebody made it into a gif. <laughs> <laughs> so I've literally I have I am you talk about falling into holes. I have fallen into holes just watching that gif. Oh boy. I love that. I, I love that scene. Um so I truly, truly I, I am in the bag for for Blade. This watch of it though, mm-hmm. however, it's uh, illustrated to me the shortcomings of David Goyer. Okay. Who is a writer I don't mind when he's got somebody else writing with him, such as on the the Chris Nolan Batman films when he has Chris Nolan and Chris Nolan's brother Jonathan Nolan writing with him on okay. the stories. Left to his own devices, his stories are a little thin. The story here, while it is it's a perfect comic book story, but let's not, you know, like, you know, mince words that most comic books are like high literature. Right. You know, there's there's only there's a reason why the Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns stand above the, you know, the rest. And David Goyer is not the writer of either of them. Right. The whole idea of getting the 12... I mean, I'm admittedly as a MacGuffin, you know, getting the 12 vampire gods or whatever, I don't know, firstborn or mm-hmm. to the council council um, so that they can then you they need blades blood to raise the vampire god La Magra. Yes. This whole thing, even though they've been talking about it throughout the entire film. It still felt like it came out of left field and made absolutely no sense. Mm-hmm. You didn't know why he was doing this. Why wouldn't anybody else have wanted to? It, it just made absolutely zero sense. He's transferring this. He's, he's tra- Deacon Frost is translating this ancient text to find out, you know, uh how I can raise this vampire guy but meanwhile he's already got this great big temple already bought that presumably he's translating the text to figure the heck out right but the whole thing's already built right you know and you, you I didn't think it was the same place well it certainly it, it, it looked like it was the, it, it, right. it, if it wasn't no it wasn't the same place it looked like what he was tra- what he was translating to have built he already had it built Right, so right. what was he translating? Right. Well, I thought he was finding it. I just thought he found it. I, I assumed that there was some, he either built it or got found it or, you know, was it was already built, but then they gave him directions to where it was. I don't know. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. It, 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 it just annoyed. It annoyed you this time. It did. It did annoy me, okay. and it also annoyed me. And this annoys me sometimes in in, in TV, and I, I don't like it necessarily in the movie. Even though I guess it always happens in the movies where you think somebody has gotten away, and everybody finds out where everybody is. Right. Like and you never get any sense of how they found out where everybody is. Right. But they just found out that there was absolutely no reason why they should have found out where Whistler was. Right. Right. They found they found the hot. But they but they, all of a sudden they come walking in right. after de- dealing with. Bl- with Blade. Right. All of a sudden, you know, they're there. Um, it, and th- there was no kind of like hint as to why they figured that out. And I guess that was a, a little bit of a, a story hole that, that stuck with me on this watching. Um, 
it's not a big thing. It, it certainly didn't take away from me enjoying the film. Again, when a film has so much going for it, you kind of like allow, make right. certain allowances. And I've made the allowances over the year, but sure. now in critiquing it, I, I, I feel like I, they, I should bring them up. Because that is what keeps the film from being like this perfect film sure. that you that sure. you're, without flaw I without flaw right, right right because right. i do but i see it as a perfect comic book film because sure. it, it feels like a comic book even some of the framing feels comic book i got the feeling that deacon frost had been monitoring blade the whole time mm. and maybe i'm sort of you know i'm i'm being generous with the read, like right. like when he knew all of the facts about Blade's life and, and this True. and the other, I got the feeling that he had been watching him, and you know he knew about Whistler and the whole thing. And as far as the thing with the Council of of Twelve, or how 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 deeper? Like I promise I wouldn't do this early in the episode. And we we about we definitely a half hour, so we're almost forty minutes into it. Can we take? Can, can we take? Would, would you permit me to take a deep dive, please? Here's the thing about vampire stuff. So. If you go back to to Bram Strucker mm-hmm. and, and Dracula and, and mm-hmm. sort of the classic Western use of the image of the vampire, mm-hmm. vampires, you get two things. Sexual transgression. Yes. Which we haven't talked about yet. In yes. Here, and class anxiety. Yes. A lot of class anxiety. Yes. And I think the thing that I like about Blade is that Blade is like you can just watch it as an action movie and this that, and other, but it's more here if you want it. Yeah. Okay. And I think this whole subplot about pure breeds mm-hmm. versus vampires who have been turned mm-hmm. and the sentiment that the, the council of twelve is is basically from the old world. Mm-hmm. Like when you look at how they're made up, you, you know most of them are very kind of Europeany looking. There's the one guy with with the you know for lack of a more elegant term, the tribal tattoos. Yes, that looks like he's from an older world. And I would bet one American dollar that if that brother with the locks had opened his mouth, he was from the continent of Africa. Mm. And then the everyone who had been turned, there's this notion that they're all Americans or, or you know they they appear younger than so. What I got from that was that Deacon Frost representing this this lower class of vampires mm-hmm. was always looking for some way to get one over. Yes, on this yeah. class, yeah. so that to me that was enough reason for him to be doing what he was doing, doing what he was doing, all this class stuff, this, that, and the other, and that didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. Because I, you know, again, I just assume there's all, and I have to say, I'm not a huge vampire movie person, but when you look at sort of the list of vampire films, mm-hmm. this is one of, and, and I mentioned Underworld, this is one of the first films that kind of alluded to a vampire society. Yes, a vampire like, society, like, like, vampire culture. Right, at, in 98, we're still yes. doing Anne Rice frilly shirt vampires, mm-hmm. and you had, you know, some kind of near-dark Lost Boys yeah. kind of rock vampires. Yeah. But this sense that, you know, there could be this whole society yeah. kind of lurking right under the surface. Well, I do think I do think that uh, in, in regards to vampires, Blade did... Um, open up like the 
a reexamining of the lore, right? right? Be whether it be um, looking at it from more of a, so, uh, as a society or a culture, or or even picking at it and trying to find different ways to tell the right. vampire story. I'm thinking of um, specifically the comic book and the subsequent movie, 30 Days of Night, and, and right. its whole read on the vampires. Like, you know, why wouldn't they just be smart enough to just go to Africa when they got 30 Days of Night? They can just go go hog wild. Right, and that's like 10 years after this. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, which, which, tellingly, when you say that that's 10 years after... That is one of the legacies of this movie. Absolutely. In that, you know, in its wake, you have Underworld, 30 Days of Night, True Blood. You know, you've got all um, the, the Twilight films. Right. All of that leads back to Blade. And we take for granted this notion of a vampire society and this, that, and that, which, you know, again, you didn't see that much of. No, you didn't. Sexual transgression part. Mm-hmm. Sanaa Lathan's character, who yeah. plays, I mean, you know, it's the Michelle mission. So, you know, the big twist is that his mother, Vanessa, Vanessa did not die in childbirth. She was turned. Mm-hmm. I thought she perfectly captured sex and ickiness because she's his mom. And was kind of like, and was, and was very, and, you know, in this sense, you, you coming know, on. back to what I think uh, Joseph's. Lechuga talked about, you know, when you die and you come back. And then she says, your mother died yeah, years ago. I'm someone different now. Mm-hmm. But it is, it was this wonderful kind of ickiness. It was. To her that I loved. Yeah. So. Yeah, I thought she did. I thought she did well in that role. I also liked and appreciated that um, while Blade was stopped in his tracks Upon first coming across her, afterwards, and he, you know he he makes his escape, and then encounters her. He is he's quick to do away with her. Oh yeah, he's he's in within the span of time of him being captured and everything. He's reconciled because you didn't because a lot of movies would have played for him. You know, like the the beat of you know like. Sorry, Mama. You know, or something like that. Well, again, she escapes at the end, and she comes back in the sequel that'll be out in summer of two, the summer of two thousand one. It'll be our tentpole film. Look out for Blade Two. Did she escape in the end? No, that's my point. No oh. one escapes in the end. Right. No one escapes in the end. It is a closed circuit. It is. I'm you about know? to say, yeah, that, that, yeah. Everybody's like pretty. Right. Uh, deceased at the end of this film. You know, there's no love scene in this thing. No. Which I always forget because when he does eventually suck um, Helen's blood. Not the, Helen. What's her name? Embushi um, Wright. Embushi Wright. Yeah, her character. You know, it's very sexual. It is. You know, it's very, you know, they really kind of hammer home. I talked about sexual transgression. You, you know, at one point she says that the, the vampires that have turned have a sexually trans, they're sexually transmitted diseases. Mm-hmm. So they really hammer that home. They do. But, um, you know, I think Blade is a fascinating character. So, you know, there's no love interest. There's, you, you know, obviously he's in a great deal of pain, but it's all very 
non-demonstrative pain. Right. You, you know, there isn't a whole lot of woe is me looking mm-hmm. out the window. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I do enjoy it. Um, I thought that I think that the the final 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 ba- battle between him and Steven Dorf, eh, I could do. I, it doesn't really do a whole lot for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was interesting to read that that wasn't their original I was about take. To say they added it, yeah. You know that they, they actually reshot that because originally he was supposed to become like this blood monster, right? Which there are hints of it. in, yes. the, in it's still there, um, but they they reshot it so that he fights actually Stephen Dorff's character. Um, that that didn't do, do a whole lot for me, um, but it you know it it had to happen. Like it's it's a comic book. Well, it had to happen so that he could have the line. That some mother blankers always want to ice skate uphill. That's a bad line. It's a bad line. But it's so bad that it travels all the way around and it becomes an awesome line. It does. But it becomes an awesome line because it's Wesley Snipes. Because it's... Which... I don't think Wesley Snipes gets enough credit for what he brought to this film, quite honestly. And I think that bears out in the short-lived television show blade the television series oh you mean it because this we're, we're, that show wasn't successful that show wasn't successful but i maintain that the main reason that show wasn't successful was because you can't fill wesley snipes shoes that easily no you can't and you know god bless sticky fingers but he looked like he was doing blade cosplay he sure did and not even that good no no, so because because it's not it, it's not just Wesley Snipes' physicality Ex- because, exactly because Wesley Snipes is a, a freakishly you know put together guy right, um, and it it's not even necessarily just his acting which is phenomenal. I think that Wesley Snipes doesn't get the credit as an actor absolutely that he deserves. Um, but it's also just his charisma. Yes. Wesley Snipes it just oozes charisma in everything that he does. Yeah. Every yeah. single thing, whether it be to Wong Fu, love Julie Newmar, to um, uh, to Blade, to New Jack City, to Jungle Fever. Yeah, it doesn't matter what he does, even as like the fourth or fifth wheel in the Expendables three. Right, right. Wesley Snipes and um, Antonio Banderas are the best things happening in those movies. You know what? I've never seen an Expendables film. You're missing nothing. (laughs) You're missing absolutely nothing. Unless you want to progressively watch the degenerating of Sylvester Stallone's neck to the point where he he is now Michael Keaton in first Batman and cannot turn his neck around. Unless you want to watch that, there is no reason to watch Expendables 1 or 2. Okay. I do contend, Wesley Snipes, they don't do a whole lot with. I do contend that Expendables 3 is worth watching. Wow. Only for one, Wesley Snipes is having fun. Okay. 
if you still remain any type if within you still remains any type of affection for Mel Gibson he's having fun okay but most importantly Antonio Banderas is having a ball. Okay. And I, Antonio Banderas, I love Antonio Banderas. And he is having so much fun in this movie. He made me want to watch it. Okay. I went to the bathroom when he wasn't on the screen. Very random, but okay. Because Antonio Antonio Banderas is just, he's just a guy that looks like he's enjoying life. Just having a good time being Antonio Banderas. And who wouldn't? And who wouldn't? He's Antonio Banderas. Banderas. I would be Antonio Banderas. You know what I noticed for the first time? Well, I, I paid attention to it when I watched it this time. They said that Blade ages. They did. Like, like. Like, like regular humans, right? I think that which I had never picked that up before. I picked that. I've always picked that up because I think that was um, a tell for you know Blade himself, but I think it was more for a tell for when he then comes upon his mother, right? Right. You know, right. for the, for just the ickiness of that to right. just really permeate. But also, if you you know, and I think. <laughs> I think Wesley Snipes is the head of this campaign. If they ever actually folded Blade into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, he could just be the age he is now. Yes. Well, we talked about it on Black Tribbles. Yeah, I heard. Yeah. I'll mention it here on a Michelle mission because I think if my my man... uh, um, The director of Black Panther... uh, Ryan Coogler. Ryan Coogler. Ryan Coogler, if it's not too late, if you haven't already done this, you want to guarantee your movie $300 million. $300 million. Opening. Yes. More, because every black, Negro, colored, African-American, Nubian in America is going to go see it when it first comes out. So $300 million more. Okay, $300 million more. So if you want to, if you want a one billion dollar weekend open first yes. weekend opening, have this movie open. Yes, with T'Challa. We've already seen him as Black Panther, we so have. you so you, you don't don't have to keep him secret. Right. Have him thanking someone standing sitting on the throne, throngs around him. Thanking someone for helping him with like uh, rid Wakanda of this this infestation. You know, um, I don't understand why you will only accept these three pieces of gold. But if that's all that you want, you know, then go go with God. And then the camera flips, and the person that he's thanking is Blade. Is Blade? Yes. And Wesley Snipes doesn't do anything. Just cracks a smile, it turns and dips. Turns and dips. That's all you need. Every African American alive will show up just to see that just scene. Just to see that scene. That would be a powerful scene. It would. Yeah. That's all you need. I want him to show up in Doctor Strange. No. I mean, he's mystical. He's no, kind of mystical. No, he doesn't need to be in you Doctor want, Strange. He just want to be in Black Panther, just all the black. That's all you need. Like, I don't never need to see him in another movie. Now, a, trust me, Wesley will want to make another movie. I think Old Blade might be interesting. I think Old Blade might be interesting. 
I think it might be cool. Yeah. I think uh, here, here's the thing. Here's a, Marvel if you're listening. Marvel if you're listening. You don't have the rights to the X-Men to put them in your movies. Right. But old Blade can be your old man Logan that's, in your that's Marvel what I'm movies. Saying. That's what I'm saying. Old Blade. Do his thing. Remember they were they were they were floating a new series with his hot sexy daughter that never they never published. Thank God. Remember last year? <laughs> hot sexy daughter blade. Yeah. Yeah, thank God. That did not need to happen. Not at all. Now then, as we move towards the end, you know there are a lot of people who say that Blade 2 is a better film than Blade. No. Are you one of them? You're not one of them. No. It it Blade 2 definitely has, you know, it's got it's action, yeah. So so the action is is is, is ratcheted up mm-hmm. in that um, deep in vampire mythos, and it goes deeper into the vampire mythos a little bit. But but again, it plays on like the 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 end of the the movie is basically the same thing. We need the Daywalker's blood for whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think that it's. Uh, a better film okay than this one i think th- i think this is like um a, just a strong solid film i actually would have enjoyed I mean, because i think they doubled down on, on in blade trinity which is just a mess yeah well blade trinity is yeah. um i think that i think that blade is and wesley snipes is enough of a character he doesn't need the distractions of like the blood pack or whatever they were yeah. called in, yeah. in, in number two yeah I, I no I, don't get me wrong I like Blade 2 I like Blade 2 too but it's not as well but I'm like you I, I've, it, like it seemed like as the films went on and this is what I mean about Wesley Snipes doesn't get enough credit mm-hmm. as the films go on there's less and less Blade in them exactly and you get the feeling that people think that the leather and the and the glyphs and the tattoos on people's backs and all, people's necks, all of that is what makes Blade Blade. Yeah, but it's not. It's not. No, it's a. But I, I see. I think. I think all of that is especially especially by the time you get to Trinity. I think all of that is an attempt to siphon off the power. Right. Off of Wesley Snipes, right? You know, um, so that he has thus is has less and less invested in the project, yeah. Um, and and with that loses more and more ownership yeah. of the oh, character. Yeah. Now, I think Wesley Snipes' portrayal of Blade, especially in one and two, is so iconic. That if they try to remake Blade now, especially with Wesley Snipes, you know, while he's not a young man anymore, right? He's he's far from like this walking, you know. From what I understand, African American skin doesn't age that much. I feel like there's there should be a saying for that that kind of rhymes. You know, African American skin doesn't age that much. That doesn't really roll off. African American skin doesn't give in. African American skin. You know they say. You know what they say. African American skin doesn't give in. 
There's something like that. Something like that. Something so, so, like that. So yeah, you know they say African American skin doesn't give in. Exactly. So so yeah, he could. Yeah, Wesley could still be. He could absolutely still be blanking you, <laughs> playing the role. Is you know African American skin don't give in. Yeah, we got to play around with it. We got. We, we, we'll workshop. <laughs> we'll workshop it. You know. Once you go Negro, it's not oftentimes that you return to from whence you came. I believe it is. Yeah, Was did Shakespeare it, say yeah, that? Yeah, you, you know. So, but yes, yes, I think you're right. Yes, Shakespeare said that. Yes, Shakespeare said that. It's, it's, it's an early draft of Othello. Othello. It's an early draft of Othello. He says to Desdemona, "Once, once you've, once you have." Uh, Once you have nupped yon more, <laughs> not often whence shall you return from whence you came. Once you have nupped yon more, not often shall you return from whence thou came. Never, <laughs> never more. Never right, right, right. Oh, sorry. It's an early draft. It's early draft. It's an early draft of Othello. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think it would be difficult. To <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> would you recommend people that they watch Blade? I absolutely would recommend people watch Blade, but as much as I would recommend people watch Blade, I would also recommend people read about Blade. What do you mean by read about? Blade? I mean, read about the development because I really do think that we take for granted that all these like like everything's just a franchise mm-hmm. like everything's a franchise and everything's a big thing and everything and i feel like blade is one of the last films the last action films the last adventure films like genre films let's say okay that had no intention of being anything but this film Okay, and I think the story of Marvel being in bankruptcy. I think mm. the story of, of 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 David Goyer and Wesley Snipes kind of bringing their own thing to it. I think all of that. If you are interested in films, and if you're interested in genre films, like even if you don't like comics and stuff, I think that whole story of Marvel in the beginning when they start to make these movies, yeah, is fascinating yeah and it, it, it bears i don't know if we never necessarily hit it on the head because there may be people that don't realize it not only blade is a marvel character but this is not a marvel movie this is not a marvel this is a movie. new line movie right um and this like you say this preceded the x-men this preceded any Mar- marvel um movie right or any uh, major Marvel feature film, film. start well no it, it preceded any feature film major feature film starring a Marvel television a Marvel comics character right and it preceded the Marvel studio films is worth saying that you know part of the reason that that they don't and they don't have the X-Men they don't have the Fantastic Four. They, and only share Spider-Man. And they share Spider-Man. So it's because when they were in bankruptcy, when people came and, were, and they were plucking meat off the carcass, mm-hmm. they took what they thought 
were the prime properties. Right. Which was the X-Men, the Fantastic Four, and Spider-Man. Yes. So that, you know, it's it's crazy to think about in 2017, but Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, were almost the leftovers. Yeah. You know, Terrence Howard made more than Robert Downey Jr. Exactly. On the first Iron Man. Like, it really was this case of... I mean, I guess we got to do something with this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, can we do something with Iron Man? Do you think people will come see a movie about Iron Man starring this reformed drug addict, jailbird, Robert Downey Jr.? I guess we should throw Terrence Howard in there. He's a professional to kind of hold the thing down. So, you know, I'm fascinated by that. And, and Blade leads you to all of those. That's stories. right. Blade is Blade is the beginning. Blade is after the Superman movies and Batman movies of the 70s and 80s and 90s play out. Blade is what is really the beginning of where we are now in right. genre films, like you said, because right. it, it in what it leads into vampire films and, and some which then gets it to the world of fantasy and then where it takes you in superhero films. Right. It is it it is the launch pad. And I don't know enough about the development of the Matrix to know how much of it was finished, but there are a lot of similarities between scenes, between images of Blade and the first Matrix. Well, it's um I mean, certainly the Wachinski brothers had been working on it before it was released. Uh, Wachowski brothers. Wachowski brothers, yeah, rather. But. And, and 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 but also, it's it's worth noting that the Wachowski brothers are and their development of um, the Matrix has a little bit of controversy behind yes. it. You know, it's, it, truth be told, there there are stories out there about you know where did the the uh, beginnings of the Matrix come from was it truly the Wachowskis or was it maybe something that was uh, plucked from other other sources other sources but that's story for it's a shame Grant Morrison isn't sitting here from what I understand he has some of he thinks he's got a claim on it yeah there's a bunch of people that think they got a claim on it but the point is Blade was before all of them Blade is before it all so all hail Blade all hail Wesley Snipes um, and this may be, I'm hard pressed to think about it, the last great black action movie. 1998, haven't been a whole lot since. Wow, that's, you are saying something right now. You are saying something right now. There has not been a better black action film in 20 years. Yeah. I can't I can't think of another one. I mean this movie is twenty years old and I enjoyed every moment of yeah. watching it. Yeah. As if I We're just gonna have to it. go ahead and, and, and finish the episode. We we need to go ahead and wrap this because I cannot think of anything off the top of my head and I'm trying to I know. Like I'm scrolling. You might be right. That isn't uh Bad Boys, would you would, would Bad Boys count? You think Bad Boys is better than Blade? I don't know if I do, as I, I was know saying I don't. it out of my mouth. I know I don't. And I love Bad Boys. It's not better than Blade. Wow, you are saying something. Not to me. Well, it's not as fun as Blade. Because Bad Boys... Cause Blade is not... Like you said, it's not perfect. But Blade knows what it wants to be. Bad Boys, it's, it's, it's dated. There's yeah. some stuff about Bad Boys you watch now, you're like, ugh. 
You're like, ooh. So does Bad Boys not hold up as well as Blade? Is no. that your argument? I, I, yes, it does not. Wow. Oh, well, I think we have our question. Has there been a better black action movie since 1998 than Blade? Oh, is that your question? Because my question is, does Bad Boys hold up as well as Blade? Does Bad Boys hold up as well as Blade? I mean, that can be part of the question. There's two questions. Two questions. Two questions. Okay. From one show. For one show. There you go. All right. But yes, I would very much recommend. But would you recommend Blade? Hell yeah. All right. Hell yeah. This is this is a fun Saturday. Neither one of us are MFers who ice skate uphill. I can't ice skate. <laughs> we'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. forces are ready to fight, but we need a leader. Let me get this right. You want me to hunt them for you?2002 American superhero film based on the fictional character Blade from Marvel Comics is the sequel to the first film Blade and the second part of the Blade film series. Ooh. It's followed by Blade Trinity. It was written by David Goyer, who also wrote the previous film, but directed by Academy Award winning Guillermo del Toro. Yep. And features Wesley Snipes returning as the lead character as well as producer. The film follows the human vampire hybrid Blade and his continuing effort to protect humans from vampires, finding himself in a fierce battle against a group of extremely savage, powerful mutant vampires who seem to commit global genocide of both vampire and human races. The movie was released on March of 2002 and was indeed a box office success, grossing over $155 million, received mixed reviews from critics. However, it earned praise for its performances, atmosphere, and action sequence. 
in this film, Vince's selection for this stop on the Michelle Mission. Vince, what say you of Blade 2? Blade 2 is not bad. Blade 2 is not bad. I, I, I think Blade 2 is, is the source of debate is strong. But people who like Blade, you, you, I think you can equally find people who like Blade Two better mm-hmm. than Blade One, mm-hmm. and you, you understand the argument that can be made. I like Blade Two. I don't think Blade Two is as good as Blade One. Which, while it doesn't make it a failure, it does mean that there is a downward trend. Right from the first one, like if you're not going to be better than the first, then by definition you're worse than the first. Right, and I think there are two aspects to Blade Two that really kind of hobble it when you compare it to the first film. One reason is is more aesthetic than anything else, and then the other one I think is is much more fundamental mm-hmm. to the film. The first has to do with when Blade Two came out. I think Blade One comes out in ninety nine. No, not ninety nine. Not nine. It's before ninety nine. Oh, what's it? It's ninety seven or ninety eight. And I'll tell you why I'm so adamant. Ninety eight. You're right. Yeah, and I'll tell you why I know that in a moment. The first Blade is effortlessly cool in its world building, in its sense of place, and mm-hmm. its establishment of this character and this mythology and when you look at the set design and the costumes in Blade we, we we talked about it Blade was like nothing that we had seen mm-hmm. when you talk about the, the 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 tattoos and and the use of of leather as costuming and and th- this sort of this sort of modern interpretation of vampire vampirism and vampire society, like everything that Blade did, and we talked about it, people took from, people built built on the foundation set by Blade, but ultimately, Blade was utterly unique. Yes. Blade 2 comes out in 2002, and in between 1998 and 2002, in 1999, The Matrix comes out. Mm. And The Matrix shifted the entire universe. Yep. When we talked about how movies look. Yes. Costuming, action sequences, everything. And I think Blade Two looks like a film that in many ways is trying to out-Matrix The Matrix. Mm. The character designs are all cool, like, you know, K-E-W-L, and and there's the, you know, there's this vampire gang, the Blood Pack. Mm-hmm. And it's like Rob Leefield <laughs> and Jim Lee and, and just some 13-year-old boys came up with their idea of what's cool. Mm-hmm. And and they, they are they're all it's it's like this really complicated leather costuming that everybody has and 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 the blood pack which are super like these are super vampire people that that are put together that initially they're going to hunt blade mm-hmm. and and 
there's one guy he's got the the damari tribal tattoos around his face and 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 donnie yin is in there and he doesn't have any any um dialogue right yeah i think just... he's just there to be asian and swing a sword around and yeah there's a it's, and it's all just very over the top yeah and and the design is over the top and ironically it makes it age really badly like it, this looks like a movie that was made after the matrix mm-hmm. where all of these movies were out we're all trying to out matrix the matrix mm-hmm. and it's a shame because again blade is where a lot of this began began so blade if blade is just blade it's it's fine right which leads to my other real reservation about embracing this film i think a, another thing that that blade 2 has to grapple with is that blade 1 was seamless it had a beginning it had a middle it had an end mm-hmm. it established the world you got this whole you know talk we were talking about character arcs in in pulp fiction it's it's a whole journey of the hero mm-hmm. in blade 1 where where he he faces his fears he defeats the monster he's been chasing his entire life mm-hmm. he reconciles with his memory of his mother Mm-hmm. His father figure, played by Chris Christopherson, um, Whistler, dies. Mm-hmm. So now he, the, the father has died and the son rises and becomes his own man. There's really no more story to tell. Right. At the end of Blade. And Blade 2 never really gets over that hump. No, no. They resurrect Whistler. Because I guess they got to bring Chris Christopherson back somehow. Mm -hmm. Like I said, they have this whole pack of vampire hunters Mm -hmm. that that has been put together to hunt Blade. So instead of 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 this really nuanced world building that you get in Blade where they don't show you everything, but but you get the allusion to this bigger world that's exactly. just right off of screen and lets your imagination fill in. Now you have all of these people. It's the sequel, so you have to get bigger. Yep. So you're not just vi- fighting vampires, you're fighting super vampires. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just really unwieldy. And and again, it doesn't justify its own existence. Having said that, the, the two things that I think makes this film, you know, not bad as opposed to, a, oh, I don't even know what they're doing. Wesley Snipes is fantastic. Yep. Wesley Snipes is at the top of his form. And I think um, Guillermo del Toro very, very smartly takes advantage of Wesley Snipes' athleticism, mm-hmm. his martial arts prowess, mm-hmm. and 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 everything that Wesley Snipes brings as an action hero in 2002. Yeah, his presence. S- his presence, but there isn't there, there isn't a lot of special effects mm-hmm. in in the fights here, and the ones that are are dodgy. I'll talk about that yeah. in a minute. Oh well, yeah, but 85 to 90 percent of the fight sequences are just Wesley Snipes 
or or you know, I guess a stunt. I mean, at some point there has yeah, to be a stunt. Yeah, a stunt guy you know, a couple of times. There's a stunt, but, but it's really just a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. Like Wesley Snipes, he is a does, special effect. He is the special effect, All right? And then Guillermo del Toro's the practical effects. Mm. Like I, you know, the, the, everything I just said about it's a, it's a super vampire. Mm-hmm. But the design is fantastic, mm-hmm. and and you completely understand how this is a part of Guillermo del Toro's body of work, right? Where this is a director who has a specific and unique vision. Yes, and 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 it's just, I mean, it's a well-directed film. Yeah, like like the yeah, staging and 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 the 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 action sequences are all well done, so that. You know, again, at the end, like, I like Blade 2. Like, Blade 2 is all right. Ron Perlman's in it. I think Ron Perlman helps everything. True. Like, I think Ron Perlman should just be in everything. Yeah. So, like, it's the cool vampire Blade Hunters, and it's like, oh, my God, are you serious? But then Ron Perlman's there. It's like, hey, it's Ron Perlman. So, you know, I like it. No, it's it's fun. It's a fun movie. It's funny that you you point out how... You know that you know you get told about this whole bigger world, and you almost feel like because Blade Blade was so different the original original film it was so different it, 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 it that it hit like a, a thunder strike mm. when it did, but you also feel that maybe not Wesley because Wesley. You always get the sense it has a certain a certain air of hubris that you know is unmatched in, mm-hmm. in human history. But all of the other uh, people involved with Blade, including the writer David Goyer, um, and including probably Marvel Comics and New Line Cinema themselves, mm-hmm. had no idea of what they were getting. Right. When that movie came out. And when it it does hit the way it does, they're like, oh. Oh, I think we have something here. (laughs) We've stumbled into something. Well, looky here. (laughs) Hey, we need another. (laughs) (laughs) So David Goyer is like, yay. (laughs) You signed the check. Right, right. Here you go. So now he starts... Oh God! I've got to build a world. I've got to manufacture drama. Damn, we we killed the dad. <laughs> Look, they put a bow on it. You know, like I they mean, put a bow. I on know. It. I mean, they blew the man. Up. Yeah. So, but hey, <laughs> it's a comic book. Everybody comes back. Nobody really dies in a comic book. Right. Come on, they brought Bucky back. Yeah, they bring yeah. Bucky back. If yeah, you're yeah. the comics, you bring Bucky back. You can bring back. Bring you can bring back, back Whistler. Everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they bring back. So they bring back Whistler in this trumped up story. All of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden, we're in the beginning of Star Wars. I'm looking for the scroll going up. <laughs> you know, like filling us in on what happened. I'm like, when did when did this happen? He got killed. Wait a minute. I'm pretty sure he blew up four years ago. What? What happened? I'm like, they just like, they just like Jedi wave. It didn't happen. Right. Was, oh, yeah. This was not the whistler you were looking for. What the hell are y'all talking oh, about? Yeah. So they're like, oh, I'm, so you just, you just buckle up. We're like, all right, I'm here. Let's go. But then this movie 
from Guillermo del Toro is the first sign to me in his in his whole history that you can sense his pattern. Guillermo del Toro, who it, you're right, is a man with a vision, man with a singular and very specific voice that he brings to his films. Mm-hmm. But he saves his his most his sweet spot, the things that are closest to his heart, to the works that are closest to his heart. Mm-hmm. And then every other one is a thing that he does for basically, you know, the the for them. He right. Does one for me, one for them. Right. And then in the ones that he does for them, meaning like the movie companies or the investors and what have you, he tends to put in a lot of his his um remembrances of his childhood okay. into those films. And you saying like this film as opposed to the sleek unabashed coolness of Blade this film just reads like just steroid driven over the top image comics of the 90s right type of vibe like you can literally see the the big muscles and pouches on everybody when mm-hmm. you're looking at the blood pack <laughs> the blood pack just the name it's I like know. if you know image comics of the 90s the blood pack is definitely a right. book that would be on the shelves um with some jim lee rob lee fell knockoff drawing it because right. they were too busy doing young blood and right. wildcats and counting money and, ca- and counting tons of money um with a special issue by todd mcfarlane that would never come out but that's a whole nother <laughs> side of comic. but those are the comic books that guillermo del toro was read mm-hmm. loved and those were the comics that were were hot at the time mm-hmm. so he's going to give you that right with touches of Guillermo in there with the whole character designs of the um the reapers the reapers yeah. and those designs are really I'm like the first time you see one of the mouths just open yeah. sideways you're like ah! yeah yeah whoa yeah <laughs> thank you Guillermo yeah <laughs> you know for this nightmare to come yeah oh yeah but uh, but it, but that's what he does, and that is that is like steadfast, you know, the blueprint for him because he follows Blade Two with Hellboy. That's right, another comic book movie, but a comic book movie that speaks to his sweet spot. Yes, it does. You know I mean, that's the one that he really like. Oh my God, I love this joke. Oh yeah, you know what I mean, uh, he follows that up with Pan's Labyrinth. Definitely, that's in his wheelhouse. Yeah, that's his story. Then he does Hellboy 2, which is more one doing one for them. Mm-hmm. Because he really did Hellboy Hellboy 1. Hellboy 2, he kind of did for them, and it feels like he kind of phoned it's, it's Hell, all yeah, big. Yeah, Hellboy 2 is kind of phoned in. You know? Um, follows that with Pacific Rim. Another one for them, but that's him taking his childhood. All yeah. his anime and mangas and, you know, the Gundams. Mm-hmm. You know, good. I get to have fun with that, you know? And that that is not long followed by his Academy Award winning movie, The Shape of Water, which right. is all Guillermo del Toro. Right. So that's the blueprint. Right. So And it all began here with Blade Two. Right. Which, to your point, is not a bad film. Mm-hmm. It's a fun action film. Wesley Snipes is great in the mo- in the movie. He's cool in the movie. But he's definitely 
90s action film cool. Right. He's not on another level. Right. He's not, and you're right, this film had just had the confidence of just leaning on on Wesley, even if, because Blade, because, excuse me, The Matrix was so game-changing mm-hmm. in the way that films looked and felt, even though it stole a lot of it is aesthetics from Blade, it did up it a little bit. Absolutely. So, you know, we're going to give, you know, credit where credit is due. But if Blade 2, as opposed to trying to be in that realm, just stays where it is. Stayed in just its stayed, own re- lane. Stays That's in its right. lane. Stays real grounded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It could have been that much more satisfying of a film and I want to think that as as big a head as Wesley Snipes has I think Wesley Snipes also is a one is an extremely talented actor mm-hmm. and a very intelligent man yes absolutely. and I want to think that sometime along the way of him doing this film as much as he's probably enjoying himself he probably is getting the sense this is probably not where we need to go. Yeah, this is going to be a hit. God bless it. Right. But this is probably not where we need to go. Well, you know I mean? th- th- this is the film that they make the mistake and then they double down on it in Blade 3 in their defense f- for a lot of reasons, because including Wesley Snipes. True. Where they dilute Blade. Exactly. Like, I kept look like, why is there so many people on the screen right now? Mm-hmm. Like, you look and it's Blade... And eight other people. Yes, yes. Who because all have the, to have their little arc and right, right. Stuff. So the name of the movie is really Blade in the Blood Pack. Right, right, right. And that's not what you tune in for. And that's not what Blade. You tune, was. you tune in for a return to that world with Blade being your window into it. You offered sleek for Blade. I'll give you another adjective. Lean. Yes. Blade is lean. Yes. If you look at Blade, Blade is on the screen at any given time. With Chris Christopherson, mm-hmm. or with oh my god, I can't forget. I I can't believe I just forgot my girl's name. In Bushy Wright, or in Bushy Wright. Mm-hmm. This is not a big bang thing. This and then when you have an actor like Wesley Snipes, who besides his physical prowess, because again, he's in fine form even here, he is a good actor. Mm-hmm. You don't need a whole lot of people and a whole lot of movement wesley snipes can carry a scene yes with another actor so it's it's just unnecessary it it really is and the unnecessary is the whole story machinations because david goyer now tasked with oh we've got a sequel right so instantly sees well if we can do one sequel, we can do two sequels. So that's why all of a sudden the whole world has to right. be built out. So no, we're not just going. He doesn't have villains that he has to fight. He also has people that are coming after him that he has to that are fighting him. Right. And then they gotta have this whole thing where they're teaming up with him oh to help. And it's like all these these stupid story machinations. Right. Right. Where if you again and. It's not, and believe me, there's not so much wanting this to be the movie that we wanted. It's just that seeing the opportunities lost. Right. You know? Especially since the template 
has already, already been, been set. Yeah, right. You, like we're like we're not making up stuff. Right. So so if you want to go through the machinations of having bringing Whistler back, okay. All right, you do that. Right. If you then want to go through the reckon uh, the machinations of while Whistler is back, Blade had to find like another kind of like tech guy, so he gets Norman Reedus' character Scud, you know, um, <laughs> in there to help him. The most, the most obvious betrayal in the history of of um stories. Yes, which is fine. <laughs> Which is fine. It's like Judas and Benedict Arnold are sitting in the crowd going, really? This guy? Are, are, do it, really? <laughs> then all you really need for the rest of this film, do away with the big bad. Do away with the Reapers and the, and the Demon Frost and this whole backstory of, the, of, uh, of, you know, he's the son of... <laughs> Of this guy, the sister of this chick, and there's signet rings involved. Yeah, all of a sudden, we don't even need all that. It's all of this. All you need is you can still keep your blood pack because Guillermo del Toro's got a hard on for Ron Perlman. He throws right, him right. into almost every movie. I mean, so look, and man, it's Ron why Perlman. not? That's good seasoning. Yeah. So you bring in Ron Perlman. You bring in all these other guys. You have Donnie Yen. You don't now. Maybe you got some room to give him some dialogue. Right. And you just have him, Honey Blade. That's your movie. I'll do even one better. The opening sequence when he finds Whistler. To me, that like the whole movie could be him looking for Whistler. Exactly. Just have him look for Whistler. Actually, Blade 2 could have been an opening sequence. This could have been the shortest film. This movie would have made $20 million. He's trying to find Whistler. Oh, look. There's Whistler. Have him find Whistler. And then the the, the second act com, uh, complication is, is Whistler actually a vampire now? What are we going to do with Whistler? What's the deal with Whistler? Right. And then you find out that Scud had something to do with them getting hold of Whistler. Right. So then it's still the they, betrayal. They, they, right. Done. The end. You know, there's a little thing and and talking about the, the, the tone. And this this might just be my own thing. The first film is shot in Los Angeles. And there's a very and you said gritty, there's this very gritty urban feel that I think separates Blade mm. from a lot of these kind of sci-fi kung fu you, you know I'm, I'm thinking about even the matrix to a certain degree or or what was what's or, or the underworld series or well, all the all, films that follow in its wake all these films i feel like Prague doesn't work as well mm. as a I feel like Blade should be in an be on an urban landscape. Maybe Zoe Kravitz. <laughs> Zoe Kravitz. Maybe Zoe Kravitz can get involved. But there's this real. This is going to continue to 200. You oh, realize? Oh, that. oh, oh, oh! <laughs> Zoe Kravitz is urban. Is the most beautifully racist thing that I've heard since you speak so well. <laughs> like the purity of the racism of Zoe Kravitz is urban. Is remarkable, mm -hmm. but I just I just didn't like the pro. I, and and I think they I, I'm pretty sure Blade Three is also filmed. I think so in Prague. I, I didn't like that, and that's just maybe that's just a personal preference. Thing. I think it's a personal thing, but I will say that 
there is, and this and this may just be Guillermo del Toro, it may be just a increased budget. There is a sheen to Blade Two, yeah, that's not there in in Blade that helps it separate the two films as far as feel and tone. Yeah, you know. So, and uh, um, but like I said, I think that may be more the budget and Guillermo del Toro his vision. Absolutely. Being a more defined vision than Steve Norrington's Absolutely. original. Yeah, and let's be clear, I think this is a perfect film for October mm-hmm. because this is very much Guillermo del Toro's vision. Oh yeah. And yeah. this is you, you you called it a superhero film, and I think it is a superhero film, but I think this is also a horror film. It is a horror film. I mean, like you said, like the the character designs of of the Reapers, um, there there is some very very disturbing uh, effects in this film. Oh yeah, I mean, there's there's some gore. Oh it. Absolutely, there is some, there is some body gore in this thing that is really really disturbing. So much so, it leads to a segue to how this was the first horror film that I introduced <laughs> my daughter to. Uh, yes, parenting with Lynn. <laughs> yeah, sit back, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Return with me now to the year of two thousand two. Ah, uh, yes, a bygone uh, era where. My daughter, now 2002, Olivia was born in ni- 1993. Okay. Is that right? I mean, your daughter. It sounds about right. Okay. I was 26 when she was born. Uh, now I'm forgetting. Yeah, she was born in 1993. Okay. Uh, so in 2002, oh, well, she was older than I thought. Okay. Oh, so she was eight. Oh, eight. That, 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 that makes all the difference. That makes that does paint a bit of good difference. No, not really. Not much. Not yeah, not bigger. Because in not, my mind, I thought she was four. Yeah, but not, not really. So an eight-year-old, eight-year-old, Olivia. eight-year-old Olivia going to see. I'm Blade taking two. taking to see Blade. Blade two. Blade two. Blade two. Blade two. Now, Electric the Blade. reason why I took her is because, <laughs> please. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm with my friend Frank, who has his his sons, who right, are right. about two to three years older than Olivia. Okay, so and we're just having a like ten a, and twelve, right? Ten and twelve, and we're Eight, having a sa- spending a Saturday with our kids. Saturday with the kids. What are we going to do with the kids? We took them to get water ice. Yes, and we're going to take them to a movie. Oh, all right, goes and see. and Frank is Frank is a guy who doesn't like to see a lot of kids' films if he can help it. All right, well. well. And I, I I don't mind kid films, but actually I don't think there was any kid films that out sure, at the of time. Of course not. What else would you want to take to so, see but Blade Two? And the boys wanted to see Blade Two. Boys went, and certainly you always listen to ten and twelve year olds. And Olivia wanting to be down with the boys. That's right. She was like, sure. Let's all go see, go Blade. see Blade Two. Let's all go, go go see Blade Two. So I take. So I'm like, all right, cool. She's eight years old, but she's with an adult. She's with an adult. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. So we take the kids to see Blade Two. Blade Two. Blade Two. And me and me and Frank sit behind the kids. They're sitting like because it's like in the middle of the afternoon. Right, right, right. Um. So let them sit by themselves. Well, they sat like one row. Above. Just one row. You can see them. Yeah. So be quiet. <laughs> I'm just listening to you tell the story of you taking your eight year old daughter to see Blade Two. 
So they sit there. Olivia sits in between them. They've got popcorn, candy. They are enjoying the film. It's a, it's a fun film. They're, mm-hmm. they're laughing. They're looking at the action sequence. The action mm-hmm. sequences, like we say, are fantastic. Especially the fight after he, when he's chasing Deacon Frost. Oh, yeah. All throughout that building. They're up on like the, the Not scaffold. Deacon Frost. It's Blade 2. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know what? Reaper Man. Reaper Man. Reaper Joe. Reaper. There you go. Anyway. It's so they're they're enjoying it and loving it, right? We get out of there, they're, they're laughing. <laughs> Spend the rest of the day, go home. Time to go to bed. Ah, now it's now the sun has gone down. It's bad. I, 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 as always, read Olivia a story. Of course, she goes to sleep. Goes to sleep. I go to my room. Go to your room. Turn on the TV. Turn on TV. TV. Yeah. Oh, I think I'm watching this, a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About half an hour into the game, mm-hmm. I notice, I look at the door. Olivia's standing there in the doorway. Ooh, plot twist. And she's bawling. Oh. She's crying her eyes out. Did she have a bad dream? She had a bad dream. Ah. What did she dream about? Was it clowns? No. She uh, Was it bees? Did she dream about bees? No, she didn't dream about bees. Oh, what'd she dream about, Lynn? <laughs> well, she didn't dream about vampires, if that's what you're getting at. No, no, no. She did not. No, what did she dream about? She, she, dreamt, she dreamt about blood. Blood, 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 blood. I just saw, kept seeing blood. Just kept seeing all over blood. Place. All over the place. So I let her come in. Right, right. Well, well, and good. watched the game, and right. she fell asleep. Uh-huh. Um... And then I started to take her back to her room and she right. woke up. Oh, yeah. And I oh, felt yeah. her like grip around my neck. Whoa. <laughs> so I said, okay, yeah. all right. So she slept with me. Yeah, yeah. For the yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. For a couple of nights. Yeah, yeah a couple of nights. A couple yeah. of nights she slept with me. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, play this forward. Mm hmm. Years down the line. Years so that's down. how I introduced her to Blade That's two. how I introduced her to Blade 2. Right, and, right. and that was her first horror film. First horror film. It, and, and, you know, she handled it. I mean, it's not Carrie, so. Yeah. Or the Amityville horror. Down the line, maybe about four or five years, I can't remember, we watched this movie called uh, The Descent. Okay. You've never seen it. Vince. No. You will not make it through the movie. Yeah, I'm not It's one of the scariest movies you will ever see. Yeah, I'm not watching it. And it scared the... But Jesus is out of her. She loves horror movies. Okay. Funny thing. Funny, fun fact. She loves horror movies. Mm-hmm. She's like you. Mm-hmm. Doesn't like ghosts. Hey, man. She'll watch a ghost movie. Yeah. Uh-uh. But she don't like ghosts. Oh, no. Uh-uh. Nope. We watched The Descent. She loves it. Loves it. Invites her girlfriends over to watch The Descent. Okay. They're purposely huddled up down in the living room. And I taught my daughter, when you watch films, you turn off all the lights. That's right. She turns off all the lights in the rooms and then she comes upstairs and she says, Dad, can I turn off all the lights in the house? All right. I said, sure. I said, but, you know, that's really going to scare them when they watch the movie. But I said, is she going to murder her girlfriends? <laughs> I said, you know, they're really going to be scared. It's like about four girls down there. And they're already like mad nervous because Olivia's hyped up this film. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, she's like, yeah, I know. I'm like, you really want to do that to them? Mm-hmm. She's like, you took me to see. No. <laughs> you know, they actually call that a cycle of abuse. Yes. <laughs> That's called a cycle. There's a name for that. <laughs> so I've raised her well. So you've raised her well. So anyway. Blade 
two. Blade two. Um, that being all this being said, and yeah. all of us talking about the missed opportunities of the film, yeah. everything like that, and and the story is very hodgepodge patched together. I feel. Um, I still come away liking the movie. I don't even think you have to have that. I, hesit- st- I, st- I don't think you need that hesitant tone. I just, re- I still look look at it, and and I think it's primarily because of, it, it is def- definitively primarily because of Wesley Snipes. I I think Wesley Snipes, and again, I think it's funny when you're listing Guillermo del Toro's body of work, and what I realize is. I I do not like his unfiltered vision mm. as much as I like it when it is something is well filtering it. Like so like you like, didn't like Pan's Labyrinth. It left me cold. Like like to me, I, I I'm not a huge fan of Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, one thing that we didn't mention, like I love Mimic. Okay, yeah. And the thing I love about Mimic is that that's early in his career. Right. So he couldn't go balls to the wall. That's true. I really, really love Hellboy. Mm-hmm. And I think Hellboy, for, for I think you're right, I think he absolutely has a passion, had a passion for the material. But there's only so much he could do with it because it's, it's not his story. It's not his story. But that filtered his vision. I really like the first Pacific Rim. Same thing. Mm-hmm. I think you can see his vision. I love the design work in Pacific Rim mm-hmm. on the um on the monsters. Mm-hmm. But when it's just him, it's like uh, you know I like it. It's all right. But I, everything that you listed, I like that that where there's something kind of slowing him down better. Oh, so where are you on Shape of Water? You know, I still haven't seen it. Oh really? I still have not seen it. Hmm. And and Blade Two, I think Blade Two is my third favorite Guillermo del Toro film. Like Hellboy is my sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Like Hellboy is where he and I meet and and are perfectly aligned. Mm-hmm. I'm a big big fan of Mimic mm-hmm. as well. And then this, like like any hesitancy I have about. Blade 2 is just because Blade was so pure. Yeah. And so good and so unique. And yeah. and again, I think the irony is that Blade 2 ages more badly than Blade. Yeah. So but no, I I, I like Blade 2 a lot. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I do yeah, it's I, a good movie. I do like the film. It's fun. It's it it, it is action packed. Um uh I do. There's a part of me that, as horrific as some of those scenes are, and I guess they do lend to this being a superhero horror film. I there's still a part of me that sees this more as an action film, and maybe and Blade more and the original more horror. Like there's more horror to the original to me than I think. Really, that's interesting. I I think because. Because I think the horror of Blade Two is the gore. I mean, I guess yeah. you could say the story because it's vampire. How about the design work? I mean, the design work. It, the design, but the, 
the design work is is stunning, but yeah. it's the same level of design work you see in Hellboy, and Hellboy is not horror to me. Well, I think tonally it's different. Hellboy is way pulpy, right? Yeah, tonally you get like that whole sequence in the sewers. Mm-hmm. I thought was way more effective than it should have been. Okay, yeah, and that's true. That is true. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's horror. Right. I just to me. Blade maybe leans more on horror. Okay, you know, but but, but it, it, either yeah. either way, right? They're both they're both good films. Yeah, the shame of it is what comes next. <laughs> Blade Trinity. We'll save that for either Halloween or may I or may I have another. another. <laughs> <laughs> One of my little hobbies now. I just like reading people's accounts oh, of yeah. Blade Three. Oh yeah, Ryan Reynolds is hilarious talking about Blade 3. See, and I just have, everyone around Blade 3. I haven't read his accounts. I've oh. always read Patton Oswalt. Oh, all of them. Yeah, Patton Oswalt. Patton Oswalt goes Pat, in. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. He goes in. I'm hoping Wesley Snipes talks some more about it. Do you, okay, but Wesley Snipes, he... He has said that a lot of that stuff is not true. Well, that's why I really want to hear him go in about it. I believe Patton Oswalt. I'm not saying I don't believe Patton Oswalt. I just want to hear Wesley Snipes' side of it. I just want to hear more from Wesley Snipes. Yeah. Like, like I think the real treat for me, the not the treat, the real surprising treat, like, like I've, you know, I've, I've, I'm well, well, it's well documented. Like, I've been really, really, really enjoying the my name is dolomite publicity because we're getting so much eddie murphy but what has been really surprising to me is how much i've enjoyed wesley snipes Mm -hmm. in his interviews and i realize i want more from wesley snipes like sit down interviews and and, oh yeah and and long journalism about him and i'm hoping that he talks a bit about opens up and opens up about specifically Blade 3. Because I think everyone at this point is on is 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 like on message that he was the problem. Mm-hmm. So now I want to hear what he has to say. See, I want to hear what he has to say. But I want to hear him talk about Blade 3 with Patton Oswalt. I mean, I mean, that'd be nice. Hopefully they can sit in a room together. That's what I want to hear. Yeah. No, see, I think he could sit in a room with Pat Oswalt. He couldn't sit in a room with Ryan Reynolds. Right. Yeah. But I think Pat Oswalt. I think he could. He could sit in a room. Yeah. There. Um, th- that's that's the story I, I want to hear because I think you have to have at least two of the people there for me to one hundred percent believe what is being said. Sure. Because otherwise it's just you're getting another, all right, this is Wesley's take. Right, there's now his side of it. Well, that's actually the way I like these things. Like, I like to hear everybody's side. I like to hear them together. Yeah, so. Yeah. But, um, Blade 2. Blade 2. Is it a black film? Oh, absolutely. All right. The funny thing is I think it's less of a black film than Blade. Like, I think Blade is real black. Like it's oh le- oh less of them oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah th- this is def- this is definitely one of those films where it's um like to me it, early in my in the run I probably 
wouldn't have said it was a black film. Right. I actually probably would have said Blade Two was, but um, uh, it's just it's just Wesley Snipes' action star. Right, like, this right. Is, this is like Action Jackson. Right, 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 right. You know exactly, I mean? exactly. Um, so yes, yeah, decidedly a, a, a black yeah. film. Would you recommend this film? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'd absolutely recommend Blade Two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't age super great, but still fun. Right. And who don't want to see a young Donnie Yen? Who and who doesn't see a young? But to that Donnie Yen point, the thing that I really like about Blade Two, as opposed to something like even The Matrix Reloaded. I think because so many of the effects are practical effects. Yeah. You don't get that that you got with those special effects in the early 21st century mm-hmm. with the elongated figures doing the jumps and all. I think Blade 2 really dodges that bullet for the most part. Like there are maybe two or three instances that even at the time I remember watching going, ooh, that. Yeah. Ooh, There's like, a couple. But it's not a lot. Not a lot at all. So, yeah. But yeah, I'd absolutely recommend Blade 2. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. There you go. Blade 2. Fire it up. It's good watching. Absolutely. Next week, Blade Trinity. Until then, he's Vince. I'm Len. And in parting, we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.